With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Body, Spirit, You, on Blog Talk Radio. This show is a collaboration between five women and spirit or universe, all brought to you by www.mindbodyspiritu.com. That's the letter U. There are weekly shows on Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, two Wednesdays a month, at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and two Fridays at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time covering topics about all things healing, spiritual, metaphysical and we even throw in a bit of science. Many of our shows include time for you to ask for assistance on your journey and you will be able to experience some amazing healing modalities and receive guidance, authentic spiritual guidance, right here, right now. Many are aware of the quickly changing perspectives about our mind, bodies, and spirit, and that's exactly what we are here to discuss. So please join us in the spiral of life, and together we will learn, grow, and heal. Now let's get started with today's show. Hello and welcome. It's Lindsay Murdoch from Mind, Body, Spirit, You, obviously. Um, welcome to all our listeners. We're glad that you've joined us today. Um, just to let you know right up front, I am doing something a little bit different than what uh, my show usually uh, does. Normally I do a, an EFT tapping circle. I facilitate that Um but for today's show, I have a guest, and I'm going to be talking with Rachel Wally about healing for good girls. So I actually didn't tell Rachel this before, but this is my first time being an interviewer on a live radio show. So bear with me. Um, I, I'm pretty confident I can get through it, but um, yeah, as I said, it is something a little bit different for, for me. Um, so if you join the show looking for something EFT-specific, um, and looking to do some tapping along, what you can do is if you haven't been to Mind, Body, Spirit, Use e-store yet, you can check out there. Um, I have put up some tap-alongs, which are both audio and um, a PDF version for you to tap along with. If any of those resonate with you, that's a possibility for you to do some tapping along. And of course, there are all the archived shows if you haven't yet checked those out here on Blog Talk Radio, lots of things to tap along with there. Um, so I am really excited to be talking to Rachel Wally today for many reasons. 
I've had the pleasure of getting to know her a little bit via social media. She is a big-hearted and fun woman. And um, I was initially drawn to Rachel because we share several tools that we use in our client work together. Um, And the more I've seen of Rachel, uh, the more I I resonate with the work that she's doing. Uh, Rachel describes herself as a recovering good girl, and I would probably put myself in the same camp. So welcome, Rachel. Thanks so much for joining us today. I'm really excited to have you here. I'm glad to be here, Lindsay. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I think you've got a lot to share, and I'm excited to uh, to hear more about it. So tell us a little bit about what a good girl is and why we might want to recover from being one. Yeah, well, so good girls are, there's a little bit of a, a you know, a misnomer because good girls are actually women. I mean, it can certainly apply to girls, you know, uh, adolescent and teenage girls. But the the group that I'm really interested in connecting with are women, and there's just that that way in which we all still refer to ourselves as girls. Um, mm-hmm. So, so good girls are women who are um, very conscientious and and uh, responsible to their organizations and their relationships in life, but overly so. Like, we are uh, overly concerned about our impact and about uh, how much we we are responsible for in terms of how other people feel, essentially. We're, we're mm-hmm. over-functioners. We think that uh, even if it's on a subconscious level, on some level we think that we are responsible for how other people feel. And it's just not true because everyone's, everyone's way of dealing with their own feelings and their way of reacting to things is their own choice. So the main issue that good girls struggle with is not knowing how to deal with conflict. And so usually we have a couple different ways that we'll handle conflict or or the the idea of approaching conflict. We will over-apologize. So if you find yourself often saying, oh, I'm so sorry, I didn't realize you were standing there. Oh, sorry, I didn't. I didn't think about that. Oh, sorry. Just the constant, sorry, sorry, sorry. In fact, on the Healing for Good Girls Facebook group, I run something I call No Apology Friday, where I just invite everybody who's um, watching to try on a Friday to just not say the words, I'm sorry, unless there's an actual reason, like if you, I don't know, ran over somebody's foot with your car, it's an appropriate thing to say, (laughs) right? But if you didn't realize that somebody wanted a phone call because they hadn't told you that they were upset about something, that's not not really an appropriate time to be apologizing. So that's one way we handle um, the the fear of impending conflict. We also um, pull away from relationships or we we can act superficial or we can um we can like amass allies or um gloss over things. There's a lot of different ways that we we avoid or um or try to skirt around conflict because no one's ever taught us how to have it in a healthy way. Yeah. And the truth is you can't you can't avoid anger and you can't avoid conflict in social relationships. 
it's it's just part of the bag. So <laughs> if you don't know how to do it in a healthy way, you spend all this time being anxious about it and, and you know, having a lot of self-doubt and self-shame and or a lot of times self-sacrificing. Like, that's what I used to do was, like, overly overly give in. You know, if, I, if it seemed like there was going to be conflict with somebody, I'd start by just giving up the whole farm. I'd be like, oh, I'm so sorry. I realized that maybe I did this. And I just, I feel so terrible and, you know, I, I just can't believe I did that and I'm so ashamed and, you know, I'll never do that again and no, 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 as if to, to basically take away from the person their chance to be angry at me by, you know, self-flagellation. Um, and, and it basically the problem is it keeps us from getting what we want in relationships because, you know, we can never, I, like in my marriage, for example, there were things that were not okay with me, but I just accepted because I knew they were going to cause conflict if I brought them up. I just thought, well, I just have to deal with it. And and that wasn't, and my spouse did the same thing, to be honest. And it, it led to our marriage not working out because neither of us knew how to get into the really difficult conversations and not give in, but also hear and be with the other and find a way to those hard-won, you know, middle spaces. Yeah. Uh, So it's it's something I'm really passionate about. That, what you just shared with me, reminds me of, um, I don't know if you've seen it, it's a TEDx talk by, I think her name is Hedy or Hedy Schleifer, uh, Uh -uh. TEDx Israel, or TEDx Tel Aviv, sorry. It's fantastic. She talks, I'd highly recommend checking it out. She talks about the bridge and the space between us, and that's where our relationship exists, and sort of crossing the bridge and meeting them on the other side. It's a fantastic talk. Cool. Yeah. But what you were saying there just really reminds me of that. Yeah. Sort of that willingness to, uh, to beat the, the other person and, and, you know, whatever it takes to get there, even if it means conflict. Yeah. What when you were before we were um, when we were getting together to talk about this show and, and uh, you were describing some of the bullet points you wanted to um, have me put up for our, to describe the show and you one of them that you said was if you feel a rush of adrenaline or fear when you think there might be conflict and whoa did that one <laughs> did that one resonate <laughs> with me I know that one well. Um, I've mm. done a fair bit of work in terms of um, recognizing when I'm trying to take responsibility for other feelings, but for sure, sometimes that that adrenaline rush sure comes in for me, especially if I think it's going to be one of those one of those uh, conflicts or arguments that comes up periodically, and it's still the same thing being run over and over again, and we haven't yet found a middle ground or a resolution to it. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, I mean, to be honest, it's not like I don't get a rush of adrenaline when there's a, a conflict coming up because I still do. I, I I don't know. Um, I don't know if I'll ever have that completely go away. But what I, you know, what I came to discover is that, you know, people who identify with that experience, usually the the fear specifically, because I, I get a little bit of adrenaline, but I don't know that I'm as afraid as I used to be. Mm. The fear. I mean, of course, I guess, yeah, no, there is, there always is a part of me. There's a small part of me that, that does still get afraid, has a, a semi-unrealistic fear 
that this conflict is going to break this relationship, whatever it is, a friendship, you know, a work-colleague relationship, or even a romantic partnership. There's always a, a small fear about that. But the more that I I step courageously into healthy conflict, into speaking up for what I need and what I want, and listening empathetically to what the other person is needing, um, the less the less power that has over me, and the and the less that I feel fear specifically. What I what I came to discover through teaching classes around this is that 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 fear is really. Um, the power that fear has, because we, we all know that fear is about not knowing something, really. Mm-hmm. Not knowing what to do, not knowing how it's going to go. It's about the unknown. So the more that I know how to have healthy conflict, that I have those tools, and that I have more experience under my belt, the less I feel afraid. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I, I love that you said, you know, I don't know that the fear will ever go away, because there is something sort of in our primal brain, I think, about conflict because, you know, our primal brain being to, the one that keeps us safe, you know, back mm-hmm. in caveman days, a conflict could <laughs> literally <laughs> turn into you being clubbed over the head and and, and right. losing your life, right? So I think there's, you know, there's always a part of us in our, you know, in our biological makeup that will maybe never be completely comfortable with conflict. But like you said, the more you practice and the more you, you bring in, um, you know, that, that higher brain, that functioning brain to to learn new skills. That that makes a lot of sense to me. Hmm. It seems to me like, I guess I say it that way too, because it, it seems like I, I meet people who aren't afraid in conflict or they don't have a rush of fear. Like maybe they grew up in a family that argues all the time and so it's really, that's really normal to them. Um, but I don't live in those bodies. So I can't I can't say whether they actually still do experience a rush. They're just familiar with it, right? So, yeah, I yeah. I just know that there's people who seemed to not be as afraid of conflict as I was. <laughs> um, so yeah, but I, I I do know at least for me, it seems like anytime uh, anytime I meet somebody and learn about what their particular struggles are in life, because everyone's kind of got slightly different ones, right? Mm-hmm. You know, my my experience is so far from being a therapist for the last seven years that uh, pretty much whatever your struggle is or your your main issues are, you're going to be working on the rest of your life. Like, mm-hmm. they'll get better, you know. But for me, the fear of conflict is definitely much, much better, but it, it is always going to be a soft spot in my, you know, <laughs> in my past. <laughs> Yeah. Something that I always need to pay attention to. Yeah, and and I think for me when I first started self work, I was under the illusion <laughs> that I could fix myself <laughs> and get it all cleaned up. And it, yeah, yeah, it's been a journey to to come to that understanding too. That yeah, you know, there will be themes that will be um, that I will be working with and working on and and. Um, you know, molding and shaping for the rest of my life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I just realized, sorry, that um, I didn't give our guest call-in number for anyone who's listening. And if you have any questions for Rachel or myself, I guess, um, or um, would like to, to speak to us, make a comment, whatever, our guest call-in number is 646-595-2385. So, 
So we are taking callers if if you are interested in doing that. Um, yeah, and also, I love I love talking to callers. It's it's really fun to have people on the air and and chat about you know potential good girl issues. And I was thinking, even as you introduced the show, that um, we could certainly bring tapping into things because you you know you and I both know EFT and. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that's going to be part of the book I'm writing about healing for good girls or good girl rehab is it's going to involve um, an accompanying accompanying, uh, set of little video tap-alongs. Awesome. Yeah, Yeah. that would be very cool. I I just want to say if people have a question and they are um, listening to us via the uh, Blog Talk website, they can also plug in a question in the chat in the chat room there. So, yeah, that would be really neat. I, you know, I, I was looking at the blog talk. Tapping. Cool. Um, I, you know, I was looking at the blog talk radio page. I think I'm on it, but I'm not sure I see where the chat room is. I was trying to look for um, it. That's a great question because I'm, I'm in the, the studio functions. Why is, I'm looking uh-huh. at something completely different than you are. Yeah. I see the comments page, but I'm just wondering... I'm on the you know the main page that you sent out as the advertisement. Well, you know we certainly don't need to spend a lot of time on it. I just thought if I could see the chat room, I could be present for that too. Oh, I'd be ha- yeah. If if I see any comments come up, I'll, I'd be happy to read them off to you, and, and I will figure cool. out <laughs> how to do that for my next. As I said, I'm doing something a little different. Usually, I have people yeah. helping me out, and she's. She's doing all the the tech back end stuff for me. So Right. Yeah. Right. So is is that how you would maybe people are wondering a little bit how you know, how you work. Is that how you might start a session? Is just with some some tapping to sort of plug into people's intuition and, and knowing place and subconscious? That's how I tend to use tapping. I I've Someone once described it as the WD-40 of emotions, and um, I love <laughs> nice. it for that because I, I um, find it just anything that's been stuck or sort of locked up or repressed. Once we start tapping, then we get the you know the access to that. Right. Is that how I, you might use it too? No. I, well, occasionally, but usually I bring in tapping as a secondary tool. Okay. Um, the one of the big ways that I work with people is through something called parts work or internal family systems. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's it's a way of understanding that that we're our egos, like our personalities, are comprised of multiple voices or parts. Um, which sometimes people can get worried about and think that oh no, hearing voices means I'm crazy. Well, it doesn't. <laughs> it's just, it's all, it often can all sound like your own inner voices. Um, but you know how the, the example I always use is when you, you think about having an extra cookie and there's a part of you that's like, oh, I want an extra cookie. And then there's another part of you that you can hear, you can feel like a pull against it that's like, no, that's not good for us. You know, I don't need an extra 10 pounds. You know, you have that, those contrasting viewpoints. And you yeah. just kind of feel them inside of you or you hear them inside of you. Well, from this, with this tool, those are different parts. 
So maybe there's a part that likes to self-soothe with food or is feeling sad or something like that, and, and that's what wants the cookie. And there's another part that's kind of like a, uh, you know, either a critic or a responsible manager. It's like, you know, that's not really good for us. Or it might sound more like, what's the matter with you? Why do you want cookies? That's just a loser point of view. You know, it can it can mm-hmm. be kind and it can be harsh. Uh, but getting to know these different inner voices and especially the, the ones that they're protecting, which are the, the like, inner children who have mm-hmm. wounding from our past, because, you know, we all do. Um, it's a way of working with those protections, getting to know them, getting to be in a good relationship with them, with them instead of them fighting with each other, like we do about cookies or working out or, you know, making a hard phone call. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, also going and in, getting into these past memories where these children are still sitting with these wounds and helping those inner children out, helping them unburden from those moments. Uh, it's yeah. a very transformational work. So Yes, I find the, just the power of acknowledgement. Because often mm. when we have those contrasting voices, there's one that we're really trying to shut up or shut out often, or more than one yep. sometimes. And mm-hmm. even just that power of acknowledgement, acknowledging that we have that part or we, that we have that voice or we have that portion of ourselves can, can be transformative in and of itself and then, of course, offering healing as well. But I find that's, like I said, when I, when I first started my self-work, um, not only did I want to fix things, but um, that's how I tended to use EFT was to, to try and fix it and clean it up and, and make it better. And more and more as I move through this work and I become uh, work with more people and become more skilled, and of course more skilled with myself, is um, just using it to acknowledge. It's such a powerful acknowledgement tool, at least for me. That's how I I tend to use it is is just acknowledge, you know, what is, what's been going on with us, what those parts are, what what they want to say, what they want, you know, wanting to be seen and heard. I think we all just want to be seen and heard, even those parts of us inside. Absolutely. Yeah, that's very true. And so sometimes what I'll do, because the idea with, with IFS is to come from a place of core self, which I mm-hmm. sort of describe as the, the, the you know, you could, you could see it depending on your religion or lack thereof. You could see it as just kind of the, the centered, you know, calm, compassionate space within, or you could see it as the the Christ within or the Buddha within or anything like that. But it's this, this space that you that you have inside that's kind of like unconditional divine love. And so yeah. to connect with the parts from that space is incredible. Like you say, it's just amazing acknowledging and transformation. And, and they all really like to, you know, they, they, they like, it, it's sort of like sitting at the feet of, you know, amazing nature, for example, like how we sit and just like marvel at a sunset. That's kind of how the parts are when it comes to core self. They're like, oh, so nice. So nice to be in the light of that. Yeah. Um, But sometimes, you know, it's hard to, it it can be hard to get access to that. You know, we have so many protectors up and and hypervigilant. And tapping is really a useful way to, like a useful tool that I incorporate with this work. You know, so if I have a part that's um, that's really feeling rigid and doesn't want to give space to allow more self in, 
I can tap on that. Like, oh, this part is worried about, you know, um, going crazy or this part is worried about, um, you know, basically being attacked if it's not defending it in this way. And so maybe we can tap with the part. Um, right. I often use it specifically with the inner child part. Um, if they're having a hard time unburdening, like surrendering bad stories about themselves, um, sometimes we can tap about that. So I use it more as, as just one of my um, my go-to tools because the way I work is pretty intuitive. So it's like, oh, right now this feels like it might be parts work. Right now this feels like it, maybe we should tap on this. Maybe we should, you know, right now I'm kind of feeling a call to do a, a tabletop constellation. So I like having lots of different transformational tools so that if one thing isn't working, we can try something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I just thought of something and it disappeared. <laughs> that happens. It's very inconvenient to have it happen on radio, though. <laughs> you know what I always do with that? And this is just something for your for your listening or your listeners also. Um, I take a breath. And I just envision like a, a white wall. It's like a meditative space of just not having to know something, but taking a breath to relieve the pressure. Uh-huh. Cool. It did actually come back to me just before you started talking. <laughs> uh- <laughs> Good. I was just curious when you said you're tapping to help the the parts, the inner child, uh, the inner child's inner children that might be feeling resistant. Um, is that I'm curious, just mostly because I use uh, I have used matrix reimprinting um, in my work to a certain degree. Uh, do you do you tap with the child? Do you tap on the child, or do you assume that the person or your client is the child and do it the sort of the same same um, way? It depends on where they're at. I mean, in parts work, we talk about being blended with the part. Mm-hmm. Uh, so occasionally they might be sitting in the place of a child, but I'm really, I'm always, I, I don't think I've ever really done it like that unless it's a massive trauma and, and then I'm kind of tapping to help them remember who they are and that they're now an adult because, the idea of a parts work is to really help the clients come to a place of of self mastery. Mm-hmm. Um, to, to have them be the resource, and I'm just the guide, instead of it being that they will always have to rely upon me for the help and healing that they need. The idea is to empower them to connect more with their core self, which has all of the healings they really need. Um, so usually how it's going to go is if they have a protector part that's not willing to give space, we'll do some talking and negotiation and logic because parts like to understand and we never push past protection because then they don't trust you. You know, and the right. whole point is to engender trust so that they're willing participants, not something that you have to fight against. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if we get to a child part who's having a hard time and the, maybe the usually the person is somewhat connected to self, but kind of not also, because usually the protection is worried that it's going to be too painful to connect with the child. What I'm doing is, is 
really reminding them, you know, you're not that child anymore. You're just witnessing their their pain. You're here as a resource. You're the adult you are now at, you know, 45 or whatever. Um, and so we'll I'll have them be tapping with their inner child or mm-hmm. tapping on their inner child, perhaps. Mm-hmm. And, of course, it's visualization, so I don't know always how exactly it looks in their head, but but in my mind, the way I'm envisioning it, um, and I'll do it sometimes for myself with my inner children, is I'm sitting with them and showing them how to tap. Yeah. I'm showing my inner child how to do it. Yeah, that's a lot like matrix re-imprinting. Yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. Well, I'm just, I'd like to take a really short break, about a minute break, and then after the break, maybe you could tell us a little bit more about Good Girl Rehab. Okay. Okay. All right. Sounds great. Awesome. Did you know that there is a new e-store on Mind, Body, Spirit, You, the letter U, dot com? This brand new e-store has some amazing downloadable products from guided meditations, e-books, introduction to energy and epigenetics, to our new editions this month. EFT tapping audio with scripts, including and epigenetic health balancing program. Please stop by www.mindbodyspiritu.com forward slash e store today to learn, grow and heal. All right, we're back. So yeah, good girl rehab. This this sounds <laughs> sounds like something pretty awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, it's a it's a six week class that I offer, and I've real I really love doing it. And to be honest, I do um, I do do it as a live local class. So it's going to be mostly relevant to people who are in the Seattle area or I suppose the greater Puget Sound area. Um, I have done it as a teleseries also. I like it less that way, but I also know the content is so valuable. So it eventually will be something that I I can put out as a um, maybe an online workbook or something like that. But what we do in this six-week class is get to know, like get to know and have a, a loving experience with our anger, and then we I teach the women in the class about the tools that they can use about how to have healthy conflict. So um, the way that we do that is is through embodied work, meaning um, one of the exercises we do is set up a representative for their anger and then each participant gets to map out her different inner reactions to her own anger. And I've seen that be a really transformative thing from some of the participants to see the different ways that they react to to their own anger. Like they might have a part who is um, trying to put it out and another part who's frustrated and another part who's um, pretending like everything's fine, for example. Um, we also do a really incredible, it's actually kind of a, an arts and crafts project because I've discovered that uh, when we're afraid of conflict, because one of the things we do is self-sacrifice, 
we end up not being clear on what we want and the things about us, about our our preferences and our emotions that are non-negotiable because we try to put everything up for negotiation as if to say, well, I can, I cannot want that or I cannot like this or I can like that as long as we'll, you know, you'll stay my friend or you'll stay my partner. Mm-hmm. And, and the problem is it, all it does is build anger and resentment because there are certain things about ourselves that we can't change just by wishing it were so. And it doesn't yeah. serve us to change those things. So we have this really amazing art project that we do throughout the series as we're also learning other things. Um, so it's not just a sit and be lectured at kind of experience. We make these want boxes. And they're boxes where we decorate them, we do collage on them and add all kinds of inspirational things. And then it's a place where you can write down everything that you want, your goals, your dreams, your feelings, and no one gets to have any um, any negative say about them. No one gets to influence them. You just get to put them in the box and they're there and they're safe. So that's been a really awesome experience. Um, and then something we do in addition to that, uh, where we're building up kind of that sense of self, it, we're learning things like the awareness wheel, which is a way of being able to, to speak for yourself and be very clear about what you want, what you perceive is going on, um, what you think about things, and how you feel about them. And it, it basically, a lot of our language currently is designed, I don't know why this happened to us, but in Western culture, a lot of our language is, is designed to uh, to make it unclear where choice comes into the picture and what we actually want. So people all the time are saying things like, oh, he made me so sad. Well, no, he didn't. You know, you felt sad. He he did something and you felt sad. Mm-hmm. You know, those things can be related. But, you know, how you feel about how you feel is entirely up to you. I mean, emotions do come up and they're not always under our control for sure. But they are related to our stories, our past, our wants and our needs. And a lot of our, the way we currently talk, um, it just completely obfuscates that. It it, uh, it hides it, basically. Yeah. So uh, some of this course is also about nonviolent communication, which helps us to uh, speak without violence in our heart. Because when we speak for what we want and what we need, and we can listen empathetically for what the other wants and needs equally, we don't have a... Uh, we don't have that anger and resentment. We don't have that need to be violent with each other, either through words or through actions. Yeah, very cool. I love that you so, include the, uh, the the creative aspect in your course. I think that's really yeah, important. We, we, we loved it. And it was really... It was not intentional, actually. It was something that came up spontaneously this time around. Um, I was saying it as a a visualization technique, but everyone got so excited when I said, what if you had a box to just put your wants and your goals and your dreams in? They all got so excited, like, ooh, a real box? And I said, sure. (laughs) (laughs) So we spent the next four classes 
um, spreading out art materials and working on that as we also learned and and heard about things and connected with each other. And it was really nice because, you know, I think so many times we just have to sit and focus and pay attention, and it, it's really hard on us to try and yeah. just listen and not do anything else. Yeah. So it's a oh, really fun fantastic. experience. Thank you. Cool. So the next one, I don't I don't have my dates booked yet for the next Good Girl Rehab. I just finished it uh, last week. So if any of your listeners are interested in being involved, either with the, the local to Seattle version or they're interested in being uh, in getting some of the online updates, then they should either sign up for my mailing list or send me an email and just let me know that they weren't on the waiting list for, for Good Girl Rehab. Yeah, so let's that. let everyone know where they can find you. I was going to say. Yeah, so healingforgoodgirls.com. And my sign-up is on my sidebar where it says get my events and book updates. There's two different sign-ups on the sidebar on the right-hand side. One is for the blog specifically. So you can sign up to, to get my blog post delivered to your email. My newsletter is less frequent, but it's um, it's got more about my events and um, things that are coming up actively. So that's also on the on the sidebar. Okay, yeah, I see and that. The blog is first, and then a little bit lower down is the events. Get my events and book updates. Yeah, because yeah. I am also writing a book, which tentatively has the working title of Good Girl Rehab. So. Um, and then they, if they want to email me specifically to make sure that they're on the waiting list for Good Girl Rehab, because I am starting to get names. And it's it's a small class because it, it needs to be um, a place where we can all connect with each other. So my, my cap is eight people. Mm-hmm. So if they want on the waiting list, they should definitely call or email me. And my phone number is on there, 425-444-0620. And my email is Rachel, R-A-C-H-E-L at healingforgoodgirls.com. Very cool. I was wondering if, and I don't even know if this is doable. Tell me if it's not. But (laughs) um, what, maybe you could give people an example of what healthy conflict sounds like or a contrast between what a good girl might say versus how they might transform that into a healthier mm-hmm. version of conflict? Yeah, that's a great idea. Um, I think we can work that out. I don't have anything already prepared for that, but let's... I, I'm I love, welcome to I love those kinds example. of challenges. <laughs> <laughs> I, like I said, at yeah. the very beginning, I am also a recovering good girl. I probably haven't done as much specific work as you have because you've really delved into this. Um, so, yeah, I, I might have a few more little tidbits for you. <laughs> okay. Well, so, yeah, if you don't mind being the, the you know, the work-through client. Because for me, having to think of something at the same time as, as teach it is a little bit harder. It is true, um, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So um, can you think of, you know, kind of, it's, it's usually easier to do this with a, a smaller conflict rather than like something that's hugely triggering because right. once we're triggered, we're flooded. So the first thing I teach people is if you're flooded, meaning your adrenaline's already going, you're already all keyed up, the first thing you do is take a pause. Because you you can't, you know, you cannot navigate conflict healthily while you're flooded. It takes practice. So 
So something that's not going to, you know, already bring up all this anxiety or anything like that. Can you think of a, a conflict? It could be recent. It could be old. You know, sometime where you did something, you're like, I probably could have handled that better. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I'm just sort of thinking of my kids. Is that sure? Is that fair game? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, one of the one of our participants, actually several of our participants in Good Girl Rehab, definitely some of their issues were with their children, for sure. Mm, just sort of around not my son in particular is very resistant to tidying up after himself. Always, ah, you know, yes. insists that other people do it for him or with him, and when they do it with him, he participates very minimally. And mm-hmm. I have not yet figured out how to negotiate that one without <laughs> getting frustrated. Right. Well, first of all, how old is your son? He's four. I, I oh, you know, he does yeah. need help. But right, it, and that's going to be so. That's going to be different. Let me clarify that with with young children, um, you know there's a tendency to negotiate when negotiation isn't appropriate. Right. Because you're the parent. So mm-hmm. it's not, you know, do this if you do that, because because basically kids don't care about logic. They're always going to be advocating for their way. So, um, you know. And maybe I, that's I would, my mistake. I'm trying to use logic. You made the yeah. math. <laughs> there's a great book, and I, I love this because I don't have kids, so... Sometimes I think people can be like, who are you to get parenting advice? But I was, I feel like I was parented pretty well, and, and, and I internalized those lessons. And I've worked with a lot of kids. I just I don't happen to have my own. Um, there's a great book, though, that, that has validated a lot of what I perceive to be um, good parenting choices. It's called Parenting Without Power Struggle. Okay. And... The model that she uses is that there's sort of three ways to be with kids. One is to be the captain of the ship, and she she uses a model of, of hand positions where the adult hand is above the child hand. And basically that's one where, where and I, I love this. I actually really love this. So your job as the captain of the ship is to help your child hit the wall of futility I love that. I think that's so brilliant. And really all that is is empathetic listening. Because mm-hmm. this is something else I teach in Good Girl Rehab. I teach empathetic listening, which is part of nonviolent communication. It's amazing how much you don't, like if you're in a conversation, and this applies to working with small children, and it applies to working with people where they may have really upset you and, and you know, you don't want to agree with what they're saying, but you'd like to find a place to connect. All you need to do is mirror back to them how they're feeling and what they're thinking, like listening for their feelings and their needs. So, for example, with a four-year-old, hey, it's time to clean your room. No, I don't want you. I, you know, whatever. I, I don't know. What, what does he say when you say it's time to clean your room? Um, what does he say? Mostly he ignores me initially. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, and then he's like, I want you to do it. I want you to help me. I want... 
Hmm. And and yeah, I'm probably getting in a power struggle on that one. Because <laughs> I usually I I probably right. time my requests poorly. I probably ask him to do something when I'm already busy doing something else rather than when I'm available to help him. Mm. I am working on the empathetic um empathetic listening and echoing back. I I don't right. always remember to do it. Yeah. Well, of course not, because it's very hard, and I, you know, I have sympathy, if not empathy, because I haven't lived it, but, you know, I used to work with uh, summer day camps, and that was just, you know, six hours a day with kids, and it's exhausting. You know, raising children is is hugely exhausting, and when you're exhausted, it's hard to be at your best and make your best decisions. So I, I, I totally understand that it's, you know, it's something that, isn't always going to be perfect. It's just not possible. So, and, and I'm learning to congratulate myself when I do get it, quote unquote, right, rather than beat myself up for the times when I'm, you know, when I was too busy right. or I was, you know, or right. I was tired and I didn't, I wasn't as mindful. So yeah, right. and we just so, have a comment here. I wanted to to share with our listeners. One of our one of our live listeners has put in the chat room. Um, uh, she says, Vicky Lady says, when I was when I worked with disabled adults, we called it hand over hand teaching. So that that, mm. uh, that tool that you were referring to. Interesting, cool. Oh, I, I would love to hear more about that, and and I wonder if it is it is the same thing as um. Oh shoot, I don't have the author of that book, Parenting Without Power Struggles, in front of me, but um. Yeah, the thing that she was talking about avoiding was the negotiating. Like you see parents do this with their kids in the in the grocery store, for example. I want this cereal. No, you can't have that cereal. It's not good for you. But I could have it if, what if I had, you know, Brussels sprouts with dinner? Can I have this cereal? No, that's not enough. It's not going to work that way. You know, it, you, you're, you never eat your Brussels sprouts anyway. But I totally will this time. So now you're in this position of like, she calls it the two lawyers. Arguing back and forth about something, <laughs> you know, kids are not reliable reporters. They're not. They're not able to make those kind of commitments, you know. So instead, it might go something like, "Can I have this cereal? I totally will eat my breast." No, we're not getting that cereal. Well, but you, you're so mean, and da, da, da. I hear that you're really angry about that, or you know, I know. I it sounds like you're upset that you don't get to have that cereal. Well, yeah, you're such a mean mom. You never get me anything that I want. Um, yeah, it sounds like you, you feel like you're being treated unfairly and that life isn't fair right now. And that sounds hard. So this is like guiding them to the wall of utility. Like, yeah, doesn't matter and what on my do, good days, I can do that. And then sometimes I get triggered partway through when he says, you're the oh, worst mommy ever. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, of course. Yes, I am. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and my mom used to say, you know, life's a B word and then you die. You know, I think that's what she would say when she was triggered. Um, and, and it was hard for me, but, you know, I think what, and I, I'm not advocating that approach specifically, saying that to your kids, but, sorry, mom. Um, but I, I do I do see that the more that we can hit the wall of futility and recover, the more resilient we become. That's yeah. a great gift to kids when they're able to do that, when you're able to be like, oh, yeah, you're sad, you're angry, you're not getting your way, life's not being fair right now, you know, I hear you, I still love you, 
you know, and then they just hit it and then they recover and it's just like, oh, yeah, things aren't always going to go your way and that's all right. Mm-hmm. Because the truth is, no matter how much as parents we try to um, to lean in and try and make things easier for them, life isn't going to do that, right? There's mm-hmm. lots of futility in life. Lots of times we have to hit that wall and go, oh, crap. And I love how that circles back to one of the very first things you said is taking responsible for other people's feelings. And that, for me, was a big aha moment when I realized, oh, I'm trying to take responsibility for my kids' feelings, my husband's feelings. Mm. And and that is, I think a lot of that, that negotiation that parents do is trying to take responsibility for the kids' feelings and not have them be too disappointed by whatever, you know, right. rationalizing it for them. So, yeah, right. I can really see how this this good girl rehab work would be tremendous in in helping implement those parenting strategies. Yeah, yeah. When you realize that that even you know, because I I know just because I've heard this from so many moms, how painful it is for them when their kids suffer. And I even see it from my parents today. You know, when I have hard times, it's hard on them too. Like I, mm-hmm. I perceive that, and I appreciate that they can be there with me and they don't have to make it better for me in order for them to be okay. That's essentially the issue. Like to find the the resiliency within to realize that you can sit with other people in compassion and be with them while they grieve without mm-hmm. having to make it better in order to lower your own anxiety. This is the thing that I'm yes. working with parents on all the time. Like your anxiety is not your kid's problem. Your anxiety yeah. is your own problem, just yeah. like their fear or their concern or their sadness. I mean, it is something that you want to help be there with them and normalize for them and validate for them, but it's not for you to resolve because it just is. They can't help how they feel just like you can't help how you feel. What like, All you can work with is to work with how you feel about how you feel. Like, so, for example, um, just recently I I posted about this, that I realized I was feeling lonely because I just got out of a, 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 just a a new relationship, basically. And I wasn't recognizing that I was feeling lonely. I was trying to push it away out of some, you know, and this was all subconscious. I was not doing this consciously. Mm. I just was kind of getting depressed and cranky and irritable and I'd watch Facebook and be like, all these people doing so well with their lives, this sucks, I don't feel like doing anything, I had all this inner critic stuff going on until I finally sat down and started tapping on it and just was like, what is going on here? And I realized, oh, I have a part who really feels sad and lonely Hmm. and then I have a part who's trying to like, you know how we have parts that try to get away from how we're feeling, no, no, I know I don't. No, it isn't. It's not there. I don't know what you're talking about, you know, <laughs> because it has some sort of story that, you know, there's a really unfortunate thing that happens in our culture about, I think, especially for women, like I'm supposed to be happy and empowered and thrilled to be on my own all the time. Well, you know what? I'm not. I do love myself, but I also get lonely. I, I yeah. personally, I'm not meant to always be a single person. You know, I really like being in partnership. I crave it. I crave connection with the beloved that is, you know, experienced through an intimate partnership. And it's okay that I miss that when I'm not having it. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, if I, I mean, the problem wasn't the feeling lonely. Back to my point. 
The problem was how I felt about feeling lonely. The problem was I felt ashamed about being lonely. And that's what started creating all these, all this depression and irritation in me. Yeah, so that part of when me I was just, asking to be acknowledged. Yeah, Exactly, yeah. and just wanted to be like, oh, yeah, I feel lonely and it's okay and I can cry a little bit about it and I can share about it on Facebook because I'm one of the most public people ever. <laughs> and I can get support around it. And then everything changed. So it's not, the problem is never how we feel. It's how we feel about how we feel. It's usually the cause of most of our problems. Yeah, yeah. And I love what you said about parents, you know, not not your, not your kid's problem that you feel anxious about what your kid's feeling. I've, I'm doing a lot of work to unravel mm. um, that that I experienced as a child. And I think that's some of where, you know, my, how I learned to take responsibility for other people's feelings was oh, how, yeah. how Usually that was we modeled for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we don't, we don't come in with these problems most of the time. They're usually modeled for us or we're conditioned or we're, we're wounded in those ways. And, yeah, it makes sense. And, you know, our mothers did the best that they could. Our mothers also grew up in a patriarchy. You know, they also grew up in a place where women are not as valued as men and where women are, um, you know, overly valued for our, our caring for other people's emotions, you know, which is, is unfair. Like we are, because we are tenders and befrienders um, and, and it's, been, it's been relegated to be women's work to, to pay attention to emotional content and we've also, as a culture, you know, shamed our men away from having emotional experiences besides anger. So, you know, it, it's a larger systemic issue. And that's that's why I see this Healing for Good Girls work and, and Good Girl Rehab as, you know, part of changing our society in a larger way. That's that's my, my mission is to help thousands of women be free. Because when women are free from this pattern, everybody gets freer. You know, we help our men to be freer. We don't have to be locked in these battles with them. Yeah, yeah. I know from, for, well, I can really only speak for myself. I know for me, understanding um, my empathic abilities and how um, that plays into taking responsibility for other feelings like oh i'm mm. feeling what this person is feeling so i want to fix it for them so i can feel okay and mm. i have a really big hunch that well i know my mom is empathic she would deny it <laughs> until she's blue in the face but um uh-huh. I, I thought that was a big piece for her i'm sure of it was that it was really uncomfortable for her to experience her kids discomfort especially right. uncomfortable because of that empathic um aspect so you know and then then it becomes <laughs> you need to feel better so i can feel better and the whole yeah teaching yeah. responsibility for other people's feelings and yeah it was a big piece so having that illumination and understanding in my you know early 30s was a real gift and i, I so appreciate that that i was able to understand that and now I, i'm much better at catching myself Oh, I'm feeling awful because you're feeling awful, but I can take responsibility for my part and not try to yeah. on you. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's a great point, and I don't, I haven't talked about that as much with um, Healing for Good Girls, uh, but I also have a really strong spiritual background, and it's, you know, it's definitely, it lends itself into my work, but I haven't written a lot about that issue that, yeah, a lot of, a lot of people who have, you know, empathic qualities or intuitive qualities, um, or, you know, maybe people who identify as highly sensitive people, that kind of stuff, they are, yeah, they are very influenced by this kind of thing. And then there is some sort of need to, first of all, um, there's the issue that if you're if you're not being clear on what you want and negotiating for what you want and how you feel, oftentimes I see women who aren't even clear on what's theirs and what's other people's because they're just yeah. feeling stuff and they don't know where it's coming from. So it's not even necessarily that they're trying to change the other and how they feel because they don't even they're trying to fix the feeling in themselves and it's not even their own feeling. Yeah. Um, for other people, yeah, they're somewhat aware that it's someone else's feeling and then they're trying to to fix it instead of. I guess there's um, most of what I focus on with good girl rehab is on the external boundaries, but it's also good to really get clear on on building internal boundaries to the the loving no that you say to people when they're trying to get their work done through you mm. is both internal and external. And I, I have practiced that. I guess I just haven't haven't written or talked about it as much, but. I have that experience sometimes with, um, you know, oftentimes maybe with uh, relations with clients, I'll sometimes feel that stuff. Um, sometimes with, uh, you know, sort of distant friends, I'll just start, I start feeling like they're trying to, they're trying to work this through me and I'll just be in my own apartment kind of feeling those little energy tendrils and I'm like, no, you need to go do your own work. Mm-hmm. Nope. Bye-bye, you know, I, I see that you're suffering, but that's, you know, you can't get that work done here. I'm not open mm-hmm. for that, so you need to go. And, you know, yeah. family members, I think that's one of the big ones for people is, is ancestors will try to do that. Yeah, I've recently been doing a little bit of work with access consciousness. And so there's something built right in that says, uh, you ask, who does this belong to? If it's not yours, it'll feel lighter, and then all you do is say return to sender with consciousness attached, and boy, does it that tool ever work. Nice. I like that. Well, we've only got about two minutes left, so I wanted to make sure that you had time to let people know, again, what your website is um, and where they can find you, if if you're okay with them connecting you on with you on Facebook or yes, whatever else absolutely. information you'd like to give people. Yeah, I'm happy to connect with people on Facebook. Um, I, my my personal profile, you can subscribe to me. Even if, you know, if you decide to friend me, um, I, I, sometimes I'll take those friend requests, and sometimes I won't. But you can subscribe to my feed either way. And uh, I just have a lot of people I'm watching now, so it's you know I like to I like to consciously choose uh, feeds and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm uh, I think I'm Facebook.com/slash Rachel Carol Wally. Um, if you just look up Rachel Wally, I think you'll probably find me. And if you can just look at the picture that's on your Blog Talk Radio page, and they'll see who I am. And uh, I'm also on Facebook.com/slash/HealingForGoodGirls, and I have another page that I run that's called I Represent Real Women, which is specifically more talking about uh, empowering women in in the culture and changing all the, the subtle and blatant sexism that exists in our culture. So 
a lot of different ways to connect with me on Facebook. And you can, like we said, you can sign up for my blog feed. You can sign up for my newsletter. Those are both at healingforgoodgirls.com. If you're interested in consulting about a session, I am happy to do that. And that's uh, just go ahead and look at my website to see what I offer. And you can also give me a call at 425-444-0620 or email me at rachel at healingforgoodgirls.com. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining me. It was a lot of fun talking with you and reinforcing some of those concepts and also introducing some of the new ones and you know getting sort of the macro look at, at, um, at what good girls are and, and how... How we can, um, like you said, you know, empower and and make shifts for everyone by healing those aspects of ourselves. Thank you so much. Absolutely. For... And I'm happy to come back if you ever want to do any specific tapping on good girl issues. We could always do another show on that if that's something your listeners are interested in. Very cool. Yeah. Awesome. Thank Thanks you so Lindsay. much. Bye. Bye. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.